Good morning, church. How are we doing? Amen. I was wondering who shows up at 9 o'clock versus who shows up at 11. And so I'm a morning person. I love getting up early. I love uh, walking with God. I'm grateful that there are others like me here uh, this morning. Um, I want to turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read 22 to 24. That's going to be the, uh, the core scripture we're going to work from. I don't want to thank... Uh, um, Thank the leadership here for allowing me to share, uh, allowing me to speak. It really is a privilege. I don't want you to think that I don't understand that. Uh, speaking God's word is always a privilege. Thank you for listening and allowing me to be here this morning. Uh, we are doing a series called On and Off in, at the church here, uh, and uh, I'm the third message in this series. So I've given myself a subtitle. Is that okay? So it's on and off identity theft. The Bible reads in verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we come before you this morning, awed by the truth of your word. Help us, Lord, to put aside the things that can entangle our hearts, whether it was the crying child, whether it was the traffic, whatever may have happened this morning or this week, this month. Help us, Father, to lay it at your feet and enter your presence as we hear your word with humility and just a lack of ourselves. I pray that, Father, I can put myself aside and that, Father, I can proclaim what your Holy Spirit has put on my heart for my brothers and sisters. Lord, we love you, and we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. So, uh, I appreciated Michael's uh, introduction. Can I share something, though? It's, a, it's kind of a secret that I have. So, I'm a, I, I was appointed evangelist a little bit ago, a decade ago or so. I was appointed an elder a couple of years ago. But can I tell you what I really, really wanted to be all my life? A ninja. <laughs> That's what I wanted to be. All my life. I grew up, I'm an immigrant, came to the States in about 75, and uh, we, we learned English watching television. So Saturday morning, every Saturday morning in the 80s, there were kung fu movies. And I thought, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. I want to be a master of kung fu. Well, time went by, I went to Purdue University, I, went, I joined the gymnastics team, and they asked, why are you joining the gymnastics team? I go, because I want to fight in any direction that's necessary. If I need to go this way, I want to be able to backflip that way. If I want to go this, and, that's, and, and I, I told them, I don't want to do the bar, I just want to do the floor. Just teach me the floor and teach me how to move. And I also joined the martial arts team, the taekwondo team. Because I plan on graduating with my electrical engineering degree and moving to Japan and becoming a ninja. 
That was the plan. That was what I, that was, what I was believing God was going to do. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm running one morning. It was one evening, actually. And I, I, I was running over through a field at Purdue. And all of a sudden, I hear this. Pfft, and I go, oh, no. That was my ankle. It, my, my foot had fallen into this hole. And my ankle had turned, and I could hear the pop. I fell down, and I was, I, I, I was so sad. Next day, were, there were Junior Olympic trials. I was going to try out. And I, I got up. I hobbled back. I tore my, I tore my uh, ACL. And I sat there going, I'm never going to be a ninja. How am I going to be a ninja with a torn knee? And, uh, and uh, it, was, uh, it was terrible. I, I moved from, I graduated from Purdue, moved to uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, worked at MIT uh, University, um, uh, and I was met there. And they studied the Bible with me there. And there I gained a new vision. Okay, I'm not going to be a ninja because God doesn't want me to be because that's bad. Instead... I'm going to convert a ninja. I'm going to find a ninja out there. I'm going to study the Bible with this ninja. And I am going to help him see the Lord. And so I tried. And I tried. Nothing happened. And eventually that dream kind of faded. <laughs> Then uh, I, took, I have my son, uh, he, he's taking martial arts classes, and the martial arts instructor comes out. And I'm reading my little Bible, having forgotten my dream of, of ninjutsu. And he sits down next to me, he goes, are you a Christian? And I close my Bible, I go, why, yes, I am. Why do you ask? He goes, because I'm a Christian too. And then I go, that's awesome. I go, and we started this conversation, and we became great friends. And we sat down, we studied the Bible, and after many brawls, he was converted and became, uh, became a Christian. And he's my ninja. He's the ninja that's great. And this man, he's got so many skills. He led the worship ministry for this huge church up in, up, uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, in the, it was a Korean church. He led their worship. He moved into ours. He let go of all of that, moved and, and just became part, and became part of our church. And he comes running up to me. He goes, Sajin, ever since I became a Christian, it's like the trees are greener and the air is crisper. He's like, I can't believe that this has happened to me. He lived out this scripture. Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He began to live that out. He began to understand what that meant. He put it on when he was baptized. It was an amazing thing to watch. It was an amazing thing to watch because he became a different man. And he went, from being, he went from being a martial arts instructor to being a Christian. That was the identity he started to take on. I am a Christian. I believe one of the most important things that we gain in our Christianity 
is a brand new self. We take the old self and we put them aside. And we, the Bible says we gain a new self. A new identity. And I want to share a little bit about what identity specifically means. So I'll start with the story and then I want to share a little bit of science. Uh, so the story is my father. My father and I are really close, my dad and I. And uh, he's, again, he's an immigrant, he's a scientist, he's a biochemist, and uh, he's, he, was, uh, he was there uh, one day watching me get my black belt, and he was just fired up about me getting my black belt. And he decided, I want to do something. So he decided he'd run marathons. So he started training for marathons just training for marathons. And eventually, he, he, he started running the Boston Marathon. He's run it, I think, 10 or 11 times. He's 72 now. He's, uh, he's quit running because his times got too slow, and he's taken up powerlifting. Uh, yeah, I know, it's crazy. Just last week, uh, last month, he won the New England powerlifting champion uh, for his weight division. Uh, they interviewed him for the news and everything. He's hilarious. But I was thinking to myself, how do I reach out to my dad? Uh, how do I connect with my father? And so I decided I'd take up running. But you've got to understand something. I hate running. I don't even kind of like running. I hate running. My, my uh, fifth grade gym teacher told me I had a curve in my back and that I would never run more than a couple miles. But I said for my dad, I will. Because this is the thing that he loves to do. This will be the thing I will love to do. So I ran, and I ran, and I ran. And I think back to those times. I remember I, ran, I, I came up to my wife and I said, hey, honey, I'm going to go for a quick 10-mile run. I think to myself, that's crazy. Who does a quick 10-mile run? But when I was training, that's what I did. It was a quick 10-mile run. I was able to do that. See, my identity was not that of a runner. My identity was that of a son wanting to connect with his father, willing to do whatever it took, even if it was working against his body. I remember I went shopping for shoes when I was uh, preparing for my marathon to run with my dad. And they, they, I told him, I go, my shoe size is eight. Okay, here's a, here's a nine and a half. And I'm like, what? that's the wrong size. They go, well, you need a size and a half to two sizes larger because your feet are going to swell up so much with blood. I go, are you crazy? <laughs> I go, who does this? Why would you do this? And I chose to ran, run, chose to do the marathon because I was my father's son. And I wanted to connect. This was how he connected. And so I was going to do that. See, my identity was never that of a runner. My identity was that of a son. And when I kept that identity at mile 18, at mile 19... At mile 22, when I kept that identity, something changed about what I was able to do as a human being. I finished the race. I finished with my dad right next to me. He had to slow down for me, by the way. <laughs> he won't let me forget. <laughs> but I finished the race with him. We made this amazing memory together. We connected. 
When you were baptized in the Lord, if you made the decision to make Jesus Lord, when you were baptized, you were given a new identity. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. Actually, before we turn there, let's turn to John chapter 3. The Bible says... In chapter 3, verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So Jesus, he is just, at this point, just gotten baptized. He's about to begin his ministry. He has not done anything. And what do we witness here? We witness the heavens opening up, the Holy Spirit coming down, and we hear a voice. And what does this voice say? And it could have said anything. Think about that. God's voice could have said anything. Go do this. Make this happen. You're the man. But what does he say instead? What God does is he gives Jesus his identity. This is my son. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And it is with that identity that Jesus is able to walk forward, go into all of the opposing forces of both the armies of darkness and those who would oppose him here in the world. He could go into those areas and proclaim God's word and the kingdom of God without fear because he knew he was the son of God. He had an identity. You know, why do we go on as Christians and then we begin to fade off as we grow older? Why does that happen? Why does lukewarmness, a constant reminder, a constant warning within Scripture, why, does it, why do we talk about this, this principle within Scripture where we go off and forget what God has done? And I would put forth to you that it has everything to do with what you identify with. Your identity. I was converted as a single. I had just come out of Purdue University. I was at MIT, and I was with the campus ministry there for years. And as a campus, as a campus person, I'll tell you what, it's easy to have an identity as the son of God. As the son of God. It really is. It really is. Because I have no responsibilities. I've got no mortgage. I've got no children. I'm not saying it's easy to be a campus Disciple, please don't get me wrong. It's easy, it was easy for me to keep that identity. But then I got married and I was given a new identity, husband. I'm still figuring that one out. Still figuring that one out. And then a few years later, what comes along? A child, and guess what they start calling me? Dad. I'm given a new identity. And all of these new identities that are coming at me, guess what begins to get lost. God's words to me in my baptism. This is my son whom I love. I start to miss out on those words. I start to lose those words and I start to forget who I am. If you take out your license, on your license, your identity is there. Your face is there, your height is there, my weight is there, kind of, 10 years ago. 
But really, the only number they care about on your license, at least on a Massachusetts license, is, an, is there a, a number on the upper right corner? S0 something. That number ties you into their system and identifies you. You have an identity with them. The real challenge is, which identity do we choose to adopt? Which identity do we choose to keep? In John 10.10, the Bible says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says the thief, Satan, comes to do what? Steal and kill. What does he steal from you? What does he steal from you? He steals your identity and he places another one. And you know what's funny about the new identity he gives you? It's often a nice one. It's often a good one. It's socially appropriate. And so you, you're accepted by your peers. But God is looking down and going, that's not the one I gave you. That's not the primary one I gave you. Yes, you need to be a dad. You need to be a great dad. But you don't need to worship your children. Yes, you need to be a great mom. Yes, you need, you need to be that mom for them, but you don't need to worship your children. Yes, you need to be a great employee. You need to do your job excellently, but you don't need to worship your job. Too many of us, and everywhere I go, this is what I find. We, we're taking on identities other than that, than the one God gave us. The world is speaking to us. Our lives are speaking to us. New identities. And we are listening. What do we need? What do we need? We need to have that identity renewed in our lives. This isn't the only time where God speaks to Jesus, is it? Where else does God speak to Jesus? Mount of Transfiguration. What does he say there? This is my son. This is my son. Listen to him. This is my son. He renews that identity with Jesus. Where does Jesus go after that? The cross. The cross. What do we need? I have five quick things I want to share with you. Number one, we need someone to give us our identity. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.21, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed you. I'd, I'd been in martial arts for almost 20 years. Uh, I've trained, I've taught, and I've never really seen myself as a martial artist. I just saw myself as someone practicing martial arts. And then one day, I sit down with my sensei. We sit down and we're having lunch. And he goes, and he pushes the food aside and he goes, Sajin, as martial artists, and I stopped him. I go, what did you just say? He goes, as martial artists. I go, are you, are you, are you saying I'm one of you? He goes, yes, you're a martial artist. You, you're a black belt. You practice for years. You're a martial artist. And I'm like, could you say it again, please? <laughs> one more time. And he goes, as martial artists, we need to. And I'm like, Yes. I went home and I said, Mahan, guess what? I'm a martial artist. That's what I do now. That's who I am. 
I needed someone who I respected, someone in authority, telling me, speaking to me, and telling me who I was. I needed that. We need that. Our children, our young men, our young women need that. Because I'll tell you something, the world is telling them who they are or who they should be. If you and I are not, they will have only one message to listen to. Only one message to listen to. We need someone who we respect, someone in, with authority to tell us who we are. Well, who does Jesus, who does, what does the Bible tell us we are? Real quickly, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. The Bible says that when you put on Christ as Lord, when you become a disciple, what ends up happening? You are a new creation. One of the greatest challenges for our generation, for this era that I've seen, is this idea and this concept of shame. We do things in the dark that other, other generations could not have imagined just because they didn't have access to that. But the amount of shame we carry is profound. It's huge. And it corrupts our soul, it corrupts our being. The Bible says that when you make Jesus Lord, as a disciple, when you repent, when you confess your sin and repent, that you are renewed. We are new creations. Can you take on that identity this morning? Take on this identity, I am a new creation. Number three, you're a workman. Workmanship of God. God has has made you. It says in Ephesians 2, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are his workmanship. You know, I look in the mirror. I'm very different than I was 20 years ago. I had a little more hair back then. And believe it or not, I was a little taller. I have shrunk, according to the nurses. And, uh, And I don't always like what I see. I look in the mirror, I'm like, man, why couldn't I be a couple inches taller? Why couldn't I be this or why couldn't I be that? And I forget that I am a workmanship of God. That God made me just the way he needed me to be. Finally, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, the Bible says, we are his children. This is my favorite For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters through Christ. When we can accept that, when we can understand that, when we can absorb that, amazing things begin to happen in our lives. I'm not a runner. My body's not made to run. I've I've got messed up feet. My knees have been torn apart. But I ran that marathon, not because I was a runner, but because... I was his son, and I wanted to connect with him. How is it that you can make it through this life? How is it that you can make it through the complications, the trials? How is it that you can turn on and keep on that spirit? It's by remembering that you are a son and daughter of God. Last scripture in Matthew 
The Bible reads, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the morning, three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How is it that we can trust the authority of the scriptures to tell us who we are? How is it that we can trust Jesus to tell us who we are? If you notice in the language here, when Jesus prays this prayer, what he calls God. Darkness has come over all the land. He has been separated from God. He cries out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you separated me? If you read any of his prayers up to this point, how does he always refer to God? My Father. At this point in Scripture, he no longer does that. No longer calls him my Lord, he calls him my God. He has been separated. And Jesus went to the cross, he dies for us, he even gives up that identity for that time so that you and I could take on the identity, the new creation, to be sons and daughters of God. When we live this way, when we remember this, when we remember who we are, then the choices we make in everyday living become simple. The ways that we process the things that happen to us are different. Instead of being victims, we learn to see that God is somehow working. Instead of, instead of, being, instead of living with, with shame and guilt, we learn to hand it over to God in a way that brings him much glory. Instead of living in the darkness, we become out into the light as new creations. That is what was intended. That is what happens when we turn off our old selves and turn on the new self that God has given us. You know, my friend, our brother, he, uh, he's doing great. He's been a good disciple for five, six years now. And, and he always talks to me about how wonderful his new life is. With all the ups and downs, how wonderful his new life is. My challenge for us today is to keep our identity, to remember who we are, and to walk through those doors holding on to that. Thank you.